Welcome back to Get Lifted Living, a podcast for passionate athlete entrepreneurs who want the real talk on work-life balance and the psychology behind success. Our next four episodes are dedicated to the people who work in the industry for the brands that have had the most impact on my cycling journey. In these episodes, we'll dive into some industry talk as well as touch down on the personal stories from our guests about how their career in the bike industry has impacted their lives. Our first guest is Corey McCroskey. He is the Southern California factory rep for Bianchi USA. He has over 35 years of experience in the bicycle industry, is a multiple Ironman finisher and a longtime multi-sport athlete. He's an active cyclist, triathlete, coach, and former bike shop owner, so he's going to be full of knowledge. He was born in Las Vegas, Nevada, and currently residing in Southern California. Welcome to the show, Corey. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. So you have a lot going on. You're a cyclist. You're a triathlete. You're a coach. Tell me a little bit about that. You're also an Ironman finisher. Yeah. So, you know, I got started in athletics at a young age, you know, uh, swimming, water polo, cross country, uh, BMX racing back in the early days, you know, when it was the heyday thing to do. Um, And, you know, it kind of transitioned right into, you know, regular cycling, mountain biking, triathlons and whatnot, uh, because I had went to a university and was disillusioned by the college sports uh, side of things. So I actually branched out and started triathlons fairly early, Uh, probably the mid 80s, early 80s. So. Wow. What, uh, what, what was your favorite Ironman? Uh, Probably Ironman Canada when it was in Penticton. Uh, Canada, which is east of kind of Vancouverish area. Uh, it's just a nice, great setting um, all over the place. Um, I have done other races, Ironman races, you know, um, across the country and across the world. Um, but Canada just had been the one that I'd done the most and, and liked it the best. So, Wow. Do you do the uh, full distance or the half? No, full. Yeah, they're full. I've done everything. I actually, I raced the USTS Bud Light series back when there was a series for, you know, Olympic distance triathlons, um, back in, you know, like I say, the heydays of triathlons, um, and, uh, half Ironmans and Ironmans as well. Wow. That's impressive. I have yet to do any Ironman. (laughs) Um, okay. So tell, tell me a little bit about what you do at Bianchi USA. That must be the most amazing job ever. (laughs) I'm very, I'm very fortunate to work for Bianchi, quite honestly. Um, I, I am the SoCal factory rep. So I have a territory, better, better term would be sales rep, but we do so much more now these days other than sales rep. We do events, we do, you know, help business development as part from the retail side. Um, You know, some warranty, although we have an in-house warranty person at Hayward, um, so really my job is to ensure that my retailers are getting what they need. Um, their staff is trained well, um, anything new coming down the pipe uh, and helping them support them actually during uh, weekend sales or anything like that. So I, you know, f- volunteer my time, you know, with them to help, help them and their staff to help sell Bianchi's better through their store. And you're a former bike shop owner. So you must, 
you know, you know, the ins and outs of the business, which is probably super helpful for being a rep. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is at some point, you know, you, uh, you don't want to be that person that goes in and go, well, I know everything because you don't. And I'm continually learning from my retailers as well as they're learning from me. And I think the biggest part of it is, you know, when I had a mentor a long time ago, uh, when I, you know, when I first got into the industry, uh, this gentleman had said, you know, worry about, worry about the big C and forget about the little C and the little C being your competition and worry about your, you know, your consumer or your customer first. So, and that's, that kind of, you know, trickles over into my side of the thing now that I'm on the other side of the counter. Gotcha. Gotcha. How long uh, have you been at Bianchi and how did you end up there? Uh, so I had uh, shut down my store after 20 years. The bike shop had been around since 1934. Um, and I had 2017, 2016, uh, I had, uh, liquidated the store and I had, I was in the process of selling, um, some of it off to other, uh, another company. Um, and then I found myself floating between a bunch of industry people, uh, between felt, uh, a couple other retailers, helping them get their service department and some other things up and going, you know, so I was doing piecemeal work. And then thankfully Rod Jewett and Jim Stevenson, uh, from Bianchi USA called me and said, Hey, we got a position. Are you interested in I think I sat on it for maybe half a day and then just said, yep, I'm in. So, and that was it. Man, that's amazing. That is the phone call I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that for you, Sarah. I'm working on that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I work in the industry as well. I and I absolutely, I think all of us who get to work in the industry, we're absolutely blessed. Um, people in this community are just so supportive uh, and just, you know, getting to just talk about uh, things you love all day and the biggest problems that you have revolving around bikes. I think that's a, that's a win, no matter which, which company you're with, it's, you know, you get to ultimately, you know, be around bikes. The next question for you is a little bit about your personal um, regimen. So mm -hmm. it sounds like you're a very disciplined athlete um, so you probably have a routine or some type of workout split between, you know, running, cycling and swimming, um, and then also working full time. What's, what's kind of, what's, what is your typical work week look like? Uh, well, well, pre pre COVID stuff, you know, I have an, I have an 11 year old daughter. Um, and so she's been at home for school for this past year. So, you know, pre pre COVID, we had a pretty good routine. We were up early in the morning, get her to school, and then I would be off on the road. And then I usually had two to three nights or days during the week where I could, you know, ride with a group or do something. Um, but a lot of it switched um, after, you, you know, after I got out of the bike shop owning business, um, my schedule changed uh, quite a bit. You know, I have to be more flexible with what I do based on retailers and family life and schedules. Um, but I do try and do something at least three to four times a week, you know, whether it be swimming, you know, strength training here or there, um, and or riding primarily. I don't follow a set schedule anymore because I'm not really racing and doing anything. Although I did a, our sponsored uh, gravel race this weekend in Bakersfield current training setups, I do have a Zwift indoor trainer, uh, very similar to actually what you use uh, in, in the garage. 
Um, I try and do that a couple times a week, but I also, I try and get out, uh, outside and ride at least two to three times a week here in Southern California. We're fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, and then, you know, have the family time and the personal time away from that to do stuff. Um, as we go into summertime and whatnot, I'll probably get more into the, uh, swimming and water sports, uh, probably substitute that in once a once, once a week. Uh, and then just downtime, really, you know, downtime with the family. Awesome. Do you toggle back and forth between cycling and triathlon? You know, there, I yeah. feel like there's always so much talk from both sides. And then I see athletes like you that do both. Um, so how do you kind of decide what season do you want to stick to cycling and what season do you want to do multi-sport? Well, at this, at this stage in my life, age-wise in my life, I kind of let my body decide that. I can tell when I've had enough of the cycling, you know, certain body parts are feeling a little bit worn and, you know, I'm a little bit overdone. So I'll switch to, you know, maybe the more of the paddle sports or swimming sports and whatnot. Um, my daughter and I also rock climb. So it's, you know, she's involved, she likes to be involved in that quite a bit. So when that kind of comes around, when it's, in the winter time, that's more accessible. I kind of do that. I kind of, it's a balance. It's a, it's a definite balance, you know, um, with everything. For sure. For sure. I think, um, when, you know, I want to just call people like this, like hybrid athletes, when you have multiple points of interest and you, you just want to get, get those activities in, it definitely takes a little bit of finessing your schedule and, and mostly not being lazy. So <laughs> I guess my next question is, how do you um, get yourself to kind of get up and do these things? So, cause it sounds like for work, you're on the road and you're visiting shops. So some level, you know, like some physical activities involved. Um, what do you do on those days where you just don't feel like training or you don't feel like, you know, running or swimming or whatever? Like, how do you con yourself into getting the workout done anyway? Well, I just, you know, you have to, you kind of have to take the approaches that being outside is much better than being inside in some, in, in, in most cases, unless it's, you know, really bad weather or, you know, bad air quality or, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason. And I think, it, you know, being outside for most people and, and most athletes like yourself and myself or anybody similar is that that's kind of like a reset button for a lot of things during the day. So even if it's just walking the dog two miles around the neighborhood, it's, you know, it's something you get yourself out, something you can accomplish at, at such a minimal level. Um, when I used to coach people for triathlons and, and uh, master swimming, you know, people say, Oh, I'm so slow in the pool or, you know, I could never do a triathlon. I said, well, you could do a triathlon, but if you go into the mentality of it, thinking that you're going to win Ironman or doing this, then no, I'm going to tell you no. I go, but let's just get you down that road. I go, you got to start somewhere. And it's really, you got to crawl before you walk, right? And yeah. walk, walk before you run. So that is totally true. I think, um, you know, like my first multi-sport event, it was a sprint distance, but for some reason, for me, it was just all I wanted to do was complete it. And everyone was like, of course, you're going to complete it. It's like a sprint distance. It's not long. <laughs> but, you know, I went in with kind of just the expectation of being able to finish. And it was um, I had a great time. I think it's later uh, when I started being like, OK, I want to place age group. That's when I think it started. Some of the fun started going out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so I, I don't know, do you experience things like that where like you kind of miss like the first joys of competing when there's less of your, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to say ego, but you're less committed to a specific outcome? Yeah, well, I think there's always that measuring component. Like, you're, you know, you're standing at the line of your triathlon. You think, oh, I'm just going to go out and do this and have fun. But then you're standing next to somebody going, hmm, I wonder if I can beat them. Or like, I wonder how fast they are. And then you, you kind of get that in your head. And I think sometimes that takes away from, you know, from the experience, which is unfortunate because really what we should be concentrating on is just getting out there and completing in the race for yourself. You know, we're, none of us are getting paid to race or to, you know, compete. So, you know, we need to enjoy it, really. We need to enjoy what we do and the, just the ability to get out there and do it. it. For me, like this last weekend was a, you know, 45 mile gravel race with, you know, 4,500 feet of climbing in the 45 miles. And so I was all pumped up to do it. And I got there and I'm like, no, oh, this is going to suffer and it's going to hurt. And I kind of fell flat the first part of the Right. And then after that, I kind of got into it and just kind of let go and said, right, what does it matter? I'm just going to finish, you know, and that then I enjoyed it a lot more. For sure. I think there's definitely events like that where you're like psyched and then you get there and you're kind of like not completely on board and then you start moving and you're totally on board. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just you can't nobody can stay at the pinnacle all the time. And there's a group that I ride with and we there's this one kid that rides a single speed mountain bike all the time. And, he, and we're like, David, do you like ever take a break? Do you ever? No, no, it's just 90, you know, 99% hard all the time. I'm like, you're, you're just going to falter. <laughs> like, you know, and usually once a month he'll go, oh, I can't ride. I'm too dead. My legs hurt, you know, and it's, it's just, you can't, you can't push that hard all the time. Do you, um, do you structure your kind of like your cycling or training so that you're taking like every third week, taking it easy or um, do you have kind of method to the madness? Because I think that is kind of a habit that many of us get into is that, especially here in Miami, where, where the weather is just warm and there's always races going on, you know, races happen basically all year long. And I noticed that it's very easy for us to get stuck in that mindset of just go hard all the time. Yeah. For, for me, that? for me, it's about every seven weeks, seven weeks. And then I'll, and then I'll really take, you know, tapered off and, and not, you know, I'll concentrate on stretching or doing something really non-impactive, non-fixable. You I mean, it's still doing something or, you know, spending more time outside, you know, doing casual activities rather than, than, you know, sports related high intensity activities. So it's usually a seven week schedule for me and then off, off for a week, kind of like a taper week, like you would taper before a triathlon or a race or something like that. And then, then I'll come back into it either in a different sport or the same sport you know, with a schedule of, okay, I'm going to ride, you know, this is where I'm going to ride. I'm going to do a long, you know, long hill ride on the weekends with the group, or I'm going to do just long, slow distance, you know? So there is some scheduling, um, having some kind of journal or a record of what you do helps because you can kind of look back on it and, um, you know, see where you were at. Um, and also more importantly, like a food journal really helps me for that. Cause I know that, like, oh, I did really poorly there. I'm like, well, no wonder, you know, that was a couple extra glasses of red wine and, you know, something, not something, like some sweet treat that I shouldn't have probably had. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. I think nutrition is so important to 
your overall performance. And, and I myself am a late bloomer in this department as well <laughs> in, in terms of actually making the, the connection that, okay, when I eat crappy food, I don't necessarily perform, um, especially what you said about the glass of wine. I've noticed that on my whoop, um, you know, I'll have an elevated heart rate for three to four days after I have glass of wine. So um, I really, you know, kind of pay the price. What do you do to like recover? Is there, do you have any rituals that you perform to like help your body recover and get back into like fresh states? Um, you know, I, I kind of try and do a, a semi, you know, deep, like I stop drinking and stop having coffee as much, you know, lots of water, um, some water, you know, kind of an enhanced water, maybe electrolyte water helps quite a bit. Um, regular massage, you know, helps, you know, recover that. Um, but being, you know, being in a, being in the water helps the biggest thing, you know, just swimming or kicking, using a kickboard just to, you know, activate different muscle groups to, you know, flush things out and recover for it. Um, interestingly enough, you know, you talked about nutrition and food. When I was in college, we did a study on, uh, you know, you, you had to eat the same thing, uh, the same diet for two weeks and then you took a week of normalcy and then went back and you ate only, uh, organic, you know, non-processed stuff, but you ate the same, ate the same foods. You just, you know, one was, one was store-bought and one was very organic. And then you did a, we did a heart rate study and a blood lactate level and those, and you were, it's amazing. Like good quality food drops, you know, your drops, your resting heart rate, you know, it increases your vital lung capacity, um, does a lot of these things that benefit. So good nutrition and good food really does play a role in uh, performance as far as, you know, even from the general standpoint. Wow. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I think um, like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it there, you know, it's not just the nagging, like eat right, you know, it really makes a difference in your performance and how your body's chemical processes actually work. Um, I think, you know, in my 20s, that's something that was just completely not anything I thought about. And now that I'm in my, the tail end of my 30s, it's something that I think about constantly. <laughs> well, and as you know, I'm, I'm in the, my mid 50s. And so that's, you know, it's the same. It's the same for all of us, right? you know, any whether you're 20 or 30 or 50s, you know, there was back in the 80s, when all the big four were racing, you know, you had, you know, Dave Scott, Scott Molina, um, Mike Pig, uh, Mark Allen, um, you know, and all these guys that were, you know, I was in that era of, of these big super power triathletes, but you know, there were such drastic differences between Mark Allen and Dave Scott and Scott Molina. Scott Molina had this, you know, he had the donut ride and, you know, there's so many other people that, you know, didn't that followed that, like just go hard, no nutrition. And just the more miles you put in, the better you're going to be. But, you know, early on, Dave Scott and Mark Allen adopted that. No, it's nutrition. It's a bunch of every, it's a, it's a lot of things. So. For sure. For sure. Are you, um, how about sleep? Are you religious about getting your eight hours? No, not really. I mean, I think I do better when I don't set a clock. Um, obviously being a parent and having a full-time job in the industry and driving a lot, you know, adds a lot of uh, stress versus being at home single, you know, or, you know, 
ability to adjust. I think when I was young, when I was in my younger, before I was married and had kids that the, um, you could, you could regulate your sleep much better. You say, okay, you know, I know I'm I'm going to bed at 10, going to get up at five and start two hours and then go to work, whatever. But as an adult, so to speak, um, or an acting adult, as I call it, (laughs) (laughs) you and me both. (laughs) uh, It's it's much harder. So I kind of rely on my rhythms. And actually, I've learned from uh, relatives that are you know European relatives that like take naps in the middle of the day, take a twenty minute turbo nap or something like that. That really helps me kind of regenerate and keep things on track a little bit better. So, man, I hear you on that. Those those afternoon naps, those power naps, those are those are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if you can sneak one in, it's good. You just can't do it at work, right? <laughs> you, yeah, you can't, yeah, no, you I can't definitely do it, can't do it at work. You can't do it at J and B because senior will find you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I find it funny. I think. Um, the people who work in the bike industry, we're actually workaholics. I think a lot of people think that we go to work and we just, you know, play with bikes all day. And we do. But at the same time, I've noticed that a lot of um, people in the industry tend to work fairly heavy hours. That includes our reps, um, shops. Um, are you, do you think you're kind of on that same oh, yeah. boat where yeah. you work? I work seven days a week. My phone is always on customers, you know, dealers call me at nine o'clock at night. But I did that when I had a, a retail business too. I would come in at eight o'clock in the morning. I was the last one to leave by six thirty, seven o'clock at night. You know, I was the thing with owning a bike shop and in that regard, you know, you the alarm goes off. Well, <laughs> trust me, the your assistant manager manager is not gonna be the one to go when the alarm goes off at four in the morning and that somebody broke a window. It's like gonna be you. So you've gotta have that mentality, you've gotta keep pushing and and keep your you know, keep the fires burning, so to speak. So, Sure, sure. What is a, you sound like someone who's like very adaptive. You have a lot of things going on. What is a tip that maybe you could give someone, um, like maybe a newbie, a new road rep um, that's trying to do it all, you know, do, do work in the bike industry um, or any industry, train, attempt to have a personal life, What's your kind of uh, words of wisdom you could share with us? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think really just, you know, to to maintain your sanity, just realize that, you know, you're there to help your, your ultimate thing is to help your retailer succeed. So the more you can do to help them succeed, the better. And sometimes it, it may be just simply, you may be on a schedule to train, you know, for a half Ironman or a century or a road race or something like that. But if you can spend the time to go with, you know, spend the time to volunteer a little bit of time on the weekends at the shop, say, hey, I'll come in and work for a couple hours, change tubes, do whatever, you know, it goes a long way, I think. And just being, letting your, re- letting your retailers know that you're actually a part, you know, a part of their shop. You have a little bit of ownership in their shop that, you know, not physical ownership, but, you know, emotional ownership that you want to help them. And then as far as regrets for personal life and uh, training, you know, if I hate to say this in a a bold way, but like if, if you're a rep and you're being, I'm being a rep, then you're not going to be a pro athlete. I mean, it, there's, you could be a pro athlete at some level, but you're not going to be a full-time, you know, paid salary, you know, 
paid or salaried uh, athlete. So you have to take your choice. And those are the sacrifices that we make. Um, the personal life thing, you just, you need to have time for that. You need to have to regenerate with friends that aren't in the industry and don't have your common interest because, you know, there's always something to learn from that side as well. Yes, I agree with you. You got to do some normal people things. Um, (laughs) Because I do notice that if I am congregating with just my athlete friends, we tend to just keep riding or, you know, just we don't really break out of the mold. We do the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah, it gets hard. I mean, it's just like anything else. You know, you're a creature of habit, but if that's what's that's what's safe, that's great. But you need to, you need to almost do things that challenge you. And sometimes that is that personal level of thing. Like you need to, you know, whether whatever it be, maybe you know, volunteering, you know, to do something, you know, volunteering for a race, you know. Uh, I've put on several races and still do put on charity rides, a uh, charity ride for nine years. But, you know, I've always, I volunteered at triathlons, you know, I'll mark, mark your number, whatever. I'll be the bike mechanic. I'll be out on the course, you know, just to kind of get a different perspective of like, Hey, you know, <laughs> this is hard being out here too, just to help people direct traffic and whatnot. So. For sure. For sure. I think, um, you know, being going from like small local, you know, fixed gear type races to triathlon, I realized the amount of prep that goes into, um, you know, holding a triathlon is just really well, at least over here. And, and I think when you look at Ironman and things like that, like it's just really well prepared, you know, it's a, it, it just the amount of work that they put in to kind of close off the course and have transition areas and the number of people that are involved in making that event happen, um, is just tremendous. So that is awesome to hear that you have volunteered. That's something that I want to do this year is to get a little bit more on the supportive side of multi-sports, so to say. So, um, so that's great to hear. So I guess the next topic I want to really get into with you is about Bianchi. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. I have a lot of questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with one is that I know that you guys introduced some new colors in this past year. So one in particular was the summertime dream. And then I think the gravel bikes came in different colors as well. How do you feel about that? And what do you think like prompted that like color change? Cause you know, the Celeste always looks good. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. It's the, uh, that the, the Celeste or Celeste is the Italians call it. It is our <laughs> is our go to color. Although this iteration of Celeste is not the original, the original Celeste is kind of um, more muted, you know, flat, you know, Celeste green color. Then this is what we call CK sixteen, which is our brightest neon Celeste color uh, that we have. Um, and I, well, I think the transition away from not necessarily away from Celeste uh, is that you know everybody likes to copy that color, that colorway, right? You know, you see a lot of bicycle industries copying our color or getting close to it. And um, I think Bianchi is set to have some uh, major growth for 2021, 22, 23. Um, so I think you're, you're going to see the change in Celeste is still going to be there and pr- the primary color, but you're going to see some other, uh, colorways in there, like the new gravel bikes, the Arcadix gravel bike has a gold with a kind of a royal blue ish color uh, in it. And then we have a Celeste and royal blue one in the carbon, 
gravel ar- arcadics. Um, so they, they came across really well. Um, the Summer Triumph Game Color, if you haven't seen one in person, um, it's really awesome. It's kind of prismatic, uh, you know, really nice colorway. Um, the other bike is a Specialissima disc. There's almost nine colorways that you're able to uh, either some special order, some are stock um, for that bike. And that's also an exceptional color. Um, I think growth is good as far as colors, um, but we will never probably ever lose the, the Celeste um, color colorway in any of the bikes. There will always be something in there, you know, in that. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I've I've committed. I mean, there's way too many things in my house that's that color now. So <laughs> funny how that funny how that happens because that same way my my daughter comes home and she's like, "Dad, I got we got you know got you a cooler at Target." It was a you know a Celeste cooler, you know that I still use today in events. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is very um, you know I I love that about Bianchi the branding message is just so strong and so bold. And I think that um, it really just kind of, you know, infiltrates your brain on so many different levels. <laughs> and, uh, and it's very distinct. And um, I, you know, one day I kind of looked around at my house and I was like, wow, I have a lot of less colored things hanging around here. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because you'll get people that, you know, even consumers or retailers, like I have some, I have some shoes that have Celeste in them that, you know, and they're like, oh, are those like from beyond? I'm like, no, no, I just found them. You know, it's like, but I pay, of course I bought them. So. Yeah. Your brain just wants you to go there. wants you to be consistent. I'm, com- I'm a company guy. <laughs> yeah. So you work there. What, uh, which bikes do you have? Me personally? Uh, yes. I have a all road GRX 810, which is our aluminum gravel bike right now. Um, I have several uh in my garage i have quite a few bikes actually um xr <laughs> xr3 disc uh which is um it, you know similar to your aria um but you know race geometry it's kind of what the guys rode last year uh on the team and what they're riding this year but only in the xr4 version a nicer version with the countervail um i have a couple arias in the garage and i have a methanol fs mountain bike actually Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I can't imagine working there. I think that I would just be literally working for bikes, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, many of us here at J and B do the same thing. We're, we're working for parts. Yeah. Oh, Derek, Derek has a, well, mother rep that I know out here that works for J and B Derek, I got him a uh, frame, a Aria frame. So he's, he's got an Aria disc frame. Hopefully he's put it together by now, but Oh, okay. I'm so glad you, you're talking about Derek yes. Butterfield. You've yes. converted him. Okay. Oh, he's always been, I mean, he's, when I had the shop, he, I, he bought a beyond, I, he, he bought a Bianchi from me or a frame and then I got him this one. So I, yeah, we go, Derek and I go way back. We go way, way back. It was almost 30, 30 years, 30 plus years. So. Oh man, he is a great, great rep. He was actually here in Miami um, and had stopped by our Miami headquarters briefly um, but he is our sea otter guy. Yes. He brings the <laughs> motor home out and yep. Yep. Yes. He literally does everything for us for sea otter. So we've, we've come to know him as a sea <laughs> otter guy, just amazing person, just great personality. And now that I know 
he's a Bianchi person. I feel even more bonded to him. <laughs> are you, uh, are you going to Sea Otter this year? Well, this year we actually just rolled over our entry to 2022 mm-hmm. um, because things have been so up in the air. And because um, 2020, we had signed up to have a tent at DK and then a tent at Sea Otter, which we do every year. Um, but then, you know, COVID happened and then we thought maybe we could get it in this year. Um, and after speaking to some of the brand managers and some of the chiefs at JNB, they just thought, you know what, why don't we just kind of let things unfold because things just keep changing. Uh, every couple months, it's like a whole different scenario. So let's just put our minds at ease and just say, we'll wait till 2022. So that's kind of what we've, what we're kind of doing this year is just laying low. And then hopefully 2022, we can, we can come in strong and, you know, attend all those events that we've missed. Sure. Are you guys attending? Yeah, we're attending. Yeah. We're going to be there. We're going to have some, you know, new models and new launching, Mm -hmm. you know, since, since Interbike has gone away uh, and, you know, events have gone away. um, We're kind of treating this as kind of like our Interbike. So we're going to, you know, try and get as many retailers out there as possible to do that. And then obviously we're going to have other events across the country. I would, I would assume I don't have the details yet, um, but we should be having other events across the country. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Every time, um, you know, we, I mean, I've only been at JMB since 2018, but when I see that sea otter map of where, which company will be, where I'm always looking for your exhibition location, like, where are they, where are they in relation to us? And like, can somebody from our team make sure they stop by <laughs> their team and yeah. just <laughs> grab me some goodies? Yeah. I'll send you some goodies, Sarah. I'll send you some goodies. Amazing. That would be great. I just, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but you know, I, I mean, definitely the color um, and I'll, I'll say it properly, Celeste, it's very appealing to me personally. But I remember when I first walked into a bike shop and saw the uh, Pista Sigourney, the mm-hmm. white track bike. Um, man, that was just the sharpest looking bike I had ever seen with like the bladed fork. And it was just, I don't know, (laughs) magical. (laughs) (laughs) And I think from there until now, um, I mean, the love affair continues to go strong. (laughs) We don't, we don't, we don't want, we don't want to lose you. I I really think that, uh, once you, I mean, I'm obviously, biased in this but I feel like once you get on one of these Bianchis it's very difficult to um, go with something else and then when I saw that summertime dream colorway which like you mentioned is that like almost uh, like iridescent Mm -hmm. sparkly pinkish you know just a very different color um, because it's different from like oil slick like I know there's a lot of oil slick happening right now and um, while it is cool it wasn't quite up my alley but I saw that summertime dream and I was like, Oh man, that is probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's really more, I would call it more like, I I call it the chameleon color because it does shape shift. And, you know, you've, you've seen those cars that are painted that way and kind of, you look at a certain direction, it's green or blue. It's kind of very similar to that, but a little more, I would say a little more Italian flair and a little more subtle. Like it's not so bold, you know, it's just kind of, uh, it's got the ah ooh feeling, you know, type thing to it. So. <laughs> yes, I think that was just that was a good move. Like it was a really bold, and I was just so shocked when I saw that on the Bianchi USA uh, Instagram. I was like, wow! Like I never, 
expected this color and also just the the kind of the texture of the color you know what I mean mm -hmm. so I'm super excited for um inventory and availability just in the bike industry in general for availability <laughs> right. to Right. come back <laughs> yeah we should see more of those summertime greens like i said you know coming uh probably july sometime i would imagine so but i'll keep you in the loop thank you thank you and you're a 50 um, right 50 centimeter 47 47. Okay, 47 yes i'm always your your like the most run size frame you <laughs> no. have that's me performance <laughs> size sarah performance size let's come on <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that is so awesome that you work at Bianchi. What do you think, what is your like favorite part about working there? I think it's really just the, the tight knit group of people we have. I mean, Bianchi as USA as itself uh, is not a big company as far as factor up. There's, you know, not a, you know, not multiple, there are multiple warehouses, but our main headquarters is Hayward and that's where kind of everybody is. And then you have factory reps that are branched out between that. So Really, you're talking, you know, factory people, 12, 15 people total, you know, to, that run Bianchi USA. So, Gotcha. Are you guys uh, in contact? Well, obviously in contact, but do you guys work in tandem with um, Bianchi Italy? Um, I don't directly, um, but the, you know, management staff uh, above me um, does, you know, it, we we are married to Italy through Cycle Europe, which is the umbrella company that that has us along with um, other Italian brand, other Italian owned companies um, in the cycling industry. Uh, but Bianchi in itself is kind of set off to the side from Cycle Europe. Salvatore Grimaldi kind of oversees it and runs it. You know, he kind of keeps his hand on it because that's that's his favorite, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the whole mountain biking thing is um, definitely like new territory for me, but I know a lot. Are you like, it sounds like you've gone from like road to gravel. No, I've done maybe? mountain biking as well. And Xterra, I raced Xterra Hawaii and Maui World Championships. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you really like raced and competed yep. all over the place. Yep. Okay. That is amazing. That's, that's really something. Um, yeah. So I, I would like to venture into the mountain bike side of things and just kind of, you know, <laughs> just figure my way out, you know, probably do a lot of falling out in the woods is what I'm saying. Yeah. You guys have big spiders out in Florida. I know I have a, I used to go to uh, Tampa quite a bit for this company. I did uh, product development for, for a bike. And my, I have a friend that lives in Tampa. <laughs> he's, he's, like, I'm like, he's, I'm like, what is that? And he goes, that's a, that's some spider. I'm like, it's the size of my glove. Yeah, definitely. Everything here, you know, I, I grew up um, up north in Pennsylvania and New York and D.C. areas. And when I moved down here, I really realized um, the critters here are fairly large. First time I saw a like a Florida cockroach, um, it was just the like mind blowing experience because they're very large um, and they fly. And, you know, one flew into my house and I could literally hear it walking around like wherever it, and it was just the most frightening experience of my life. So I think I've gotten a little better about it now. Um, but I remember even when I first moved here, like I saw a cat chasing an iguana, you know, roaches are flying and they're humongous and, and they make noises and um, I'm, I'm getting better about it. But that is one of the things that people tell me about mountain biking is that you really just got to keep an eye out for these just enormous nests and, and just really large spiders. I think they're called banana spiders. Yeah. yeah that's them. Yep. 
Yeah, terror. <laughs> I think said you can't ride a mountain bike on a gravel road. It's the same same thing. For sure. Yeah, they they did mention that there's people who come out and mountain bikes, and it's it's definitely yeah. not a problem. Well, thank you so much, um, man. I'm I'm so it's been so amazing talking to you. Where can people find you, or where can people find Bianchi? Uh, you can go to Bianchi, uh, the Bianchi USA website or just bianchi.com and now our new website will direct you to english italian you know wherever you need to go uh you can find me on instagram just Corey mccroskey my name and look me up there uh also on facebook and whatnot and yeah that's that's probably the best way to get a hold of me awesome well thank you so much for joining us today is there any last words you have no for us? just uh you know Stay safe, keep riding your bike. Uh, health and fitness is kind of the, for me, and I think for a lot of people, the key to getting through this crazy year that we've had and kind of move on and, and do a lot better. And, uh, you know, if you're uh, one of the old adage I say is if you're not making a few mistakes, you're not learning. Just keep moving forward. For sure. Well, Corey, I hope that I can, you know, get to meet you one of these days, either at Sea Otter or just taking a tour of that that facility out in California you have. <laughs> I don't, let's wait till we get it cleaned up a little bit better after that. Uh, but yeah, if you come out to Southern California, look me up. We'll uh, take you up uh, Glendora Mountain Ridge Road, which is where the tour of California went, and take you all the way to Mount Baldy, which is 9,000 feet, you know, 26 miles of climbing. So I think it's right up your way. You do a lot of climbing in Florida, right? <laughs> oh, hardly. <laughs> uh, I think the most climbing I do is yeah, on Swift. There you go. There you go. <laughs> No, no, yeah, no, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and anybody can reach out to me if they're looking for riding out in this area. If they're coming into town, we've got a lot of uh, bike shops that rent uh, rent bikes and kind of direct you to the direct you to the correct shop for your needs. Oh yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Are you also um, are you are you currently coaching? Are you taking coaching no, I, students? I, I... I'm not doing anything right now. I, the local health club here where I started the master's swimming program just up the street from my house um, closed down because of COVID and then essentially got sold and repurchased. So uh, I might get back into that eventually, but as of right now, it's, uh, you know, more just, you know, having my job and, you know, maybe coaching myself, so to speak. So I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> And then one last question, any plans for any like 2022 Ironman? Uh, you know, there's, there's always talk of that. Um, it's just the, t the time to train, you know, that, that time dedication and what, a, what would I give up and what do I, what am I willing not to give up um, to do, <laughs> to do that? Uh, you know, I had a conversation with one of my coworkers at the Bakersfield event, you know, we were talking about how hard the course was and what we did. He goes, and he goes, yeah, he goes, but it's, he goes, it's that thing. He's like, you know, do you give up having that one? If I have a beer, then that's another minute off my time. He goes, so he goes, I don't want to give up my beer. <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I think the training periods for these things can go so long. Um, it is definitely a commitment for sure. Well, an Ironman, an Ironman for the norm, for, for normal people, I guess you'd call it normal, us endurance athletes that, you know, we're all kind of a little bit odd anyways i guess but, but yes <laughs> the uh you know that's that's our that's really our olympics if you think about it and i used to tell people that that wanted to do them like i could never do one i go you could do one i go that's your olympics i said like i said you're not going to win the race overall you're going to finish it but i go it's a that is your olympics essentially you know that is the you know that's your gold medal that's what you you want to strive for and it's not a bad thing to do so it's actually a good thing to do
For sure. Well, maybe we can, I've got a couple of friends that actually live out in California and just scattered throughout the country that we're thinking maybe in 2022, we could all do um, Ironman Augusta, just meet up there. It would be the half that's iron, it. but I think that's the most, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to rally. I'm going to bug you about this. It's a little too early. I know it, the 2021 uh, Augusta Ironman hasn't happened yet, but maybe after it does, and I see registration open for 2022, you might be getting an email from me rallying for everybody to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll bring the Bianchi van. So. <laughs> oh, man, that would be so amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey. It has been my oh, pleasure thank to you, have Sarah. you on the Thanks show for, today. Thanks uh, for reaching out to me, and uh, you, do a great, you do a great job with all your stuff. It's uh, very, very motivating to uh, see your stuff and see your, uh, your fitness goals and your cycling stuff. It's all good. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. I'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you like this episode, please be sure to give it a like and a follow on your favorite podcast platform or get social with us on Instagram at Get Lifted Living. You can also find me, your host, Sarah Raw at Get Lifted Miami. Thanks and stay passionate until next time.